All right. Um, I decided to have mercy upon you. So instead of writing all of the verses that I have, I made a copy of them, and it's not posted on the notice board out there. You can take a screenshot of it with your phone on the way out tonight. Okay? Nobody getting up during the message, all right? You'll be, uh, you'll be flat chat just finding the words to fill in the blanks on that, uh, which are many. <laughs> all right. And so I actually have them all typed out, so I don't have to look them up. And so what I'd like to talk about tonight is when God has had enough. Are, are there times when God has had enough? Uh, he is a long-suffering God, that is true. But there comes a time when his long-suffering ends and he brings judgment. And so we want to look at that, and we'll start in Genesis chapter 6 tonight. Uh, it'll probably be the only passage that you'll be able to turn to. Genesis chapter 6, and verse 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men. And so that implies that there comes a time when his patience runs out, when his long-suffering ends, and he judges. Verse 5 of that chapter says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Dropping down to verse 11, we read, And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And that word violence is an interesting word in the Hebrew language. Every time, almost every time the word violence appears in the Old Testament, it is the Hebrew word Hamas. So that says a lot, doesn't it? I'll let you go with that. Uh, the end of verse 12 says, For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That to me sounds like God had had enough. Lord, help us as we look into this topic, and Lord, help us to find the balance in the Word of God, and uh, Lord, help us to avoid uh, the path that leads to your having enough. Uh, we, can, we can live that way in our own lives, though oftentimes uh, we can't uh, really direct those same things toward others. And so help us, Father, as we look into your word tonight, and we'll give you the honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So. Since that day, what has transpired since then? Peace? Uh, not hardly. Uh, in Psalm 86 and verse 14, it says, O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assembly of the violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. 
So the first thing we want to find out and discover is that they have a healthy disrespect of God. And that's where it all begins. Psalm 11 and verse 5. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. That's a strong word, folks. God hates violence and those that love it. Corruption and violence continue unashamedly, unabated, even in our day. Proverbs chapter 4 and verses 16 and 17. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. That's an interesting expression, to tie violence with wine. Because drinking wine oftentimes leads to violence, does it not? And so the bread and the drink, meaning that their daily sustenance is wickedness and the wine of violence. Proverbs 16 and verse 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. You ever known anyone like that? You know that person over there? Man, you should hear what they do. Okay. Well, they might be your friend, and they're trying to dissuade you from that friendship and break that. Uh, and then a, a violent man, verse 29, a violent man enticeth his neighbor. How does he do that? Look, it, it's, there's no harm in it. I mean, after all, uh, plus the fact, we're, we can't, we're not going to get caught anyways. We'll get away with it. And that's their thinking. That's their mentality. And leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. And so that's, that's all he thinks about. He dreams about it. Isaiah 59, verses 6 through 8. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. And so right there we have their works, their hands, their feet, their thoughts, their paths. Everything about them is only looking at iniquity and violence, shedding blood. Uh, verse 8, the way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. In other words, they don't really care what happens. Uh, they have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 7. As a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her. Before me continually is grief and wounds. That's all it produces, this violence. Uh, Micah chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. 
Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in, their, in the power of their hand. And they covet fields and take them by violence. And houses, they take them away. And they oppress a man and his house. That speaks of enslavement, folks. To take away everything he has and oppress him, that's enslavement. Even uh, a man and his heritage. And so that, that actually sounds like many politicians, lawyers, and bankers today. They're involved in promoting these kind of things. Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This is speaking of attacks upon Christians, upon God's people. This next one's even worse. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 17. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger, and lo, they put a, the branch to their nose. And so even God's people fall, pre, fall prey to enacting violently. And then uh, Matthew 26, verse 52, this is uh, after Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. I call this Peter's irritation. Uh, then said Jesus unto him, Put up thy sword into its place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And so we have the same things happening all along through history. And so has God had enough? Well, obviously, not quite yet, because we're all still here. Uh, Genesis, again, chapter 16 this time, verses 11 and 12. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, speaking to Hagar, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, uh, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Chapter 20, uh, 17, verse 20 and 21 of Genesis. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall uh, he beget, and I will make him a great nation. And I love the word but in Scripture. But, though he's going to be great, my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And so uh, we have Ishmael, uh, a warrior, uh, a troublemaker uh, throughout his entire history. Then Genesis chapter 8 uh, 28, rather, and verses 8 and 9, we read, And Esau, 
who is the progenitor of the Edomites, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, and praise the Lord for that, because we just got through reading in Genesis 6 what that brought along. Verse 9 says, Then went Esau unto Ishmael. Hmm, interesting. And took unto the wives which he had. He already had several wives. And he takes a wife, uh, and her name was uh, Mahalath, or Mahalath, however you pronounce that. Uh, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth, to be his wife. And by the way, Mahalath means sickness. And that was sick, the union between Esau and Ishmael uh, through this, this marriage. And so we have Ishmael, we have Esau, and we can add to that Ammon and Moab, the two uh, sons of Lot by an incestuous relationship with his own daughters. And out of those four people groups, we have presented for us the modern-day Palestinians. Okay, There's no such thing as the Palestinians. Those who claim to be Palestinians are from one of these four groups. And they have been after the land ever since they've existed. Why? Because God gave it not to them, but to someone else. And they've been after it. And that's why they hate the Jews. All right, so who are guilty of such corrupt and violent behavior? Who's guilty of this corrupt and violent behavior? Ezekiel 28 and verse 16 says, By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. So this merchandise that he's addressing here has caused him uh, this... this uh, I won't call him a person because he's not a person, but anyway, uh, caused violence to come forth, uh, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. So this character was in the mountain of God with God at one point. And I will destroy thee, O covering, we pronounce it cherub, it's karub in the Hebrew, and this is a description, a, a, a uh, conversation with Lucifer, who is the leader of all iniquity. And he says, I'm going to destroy thee from the midst of the stones of fire. And so what this speaks of is those that are advantaged, privileged, entitled, or so they think. If anyone was advantaged in the heavenly host, it was Lucifer. He was in charge of an awful lot in heaven. He was privileged far above most of the other angels. But one day he felt that he was entitled to God's place. And it was downhill for him ever since. And so he's the one that stirs up... Uh, mankind toward violence. Who else are guilty of such corrupt and violent behavior? The proud. 
First Timothy 6 and verses 4 and 5 read, He is proud, knowing nothing. <laughs> is that not true? Somebody that brags about themselves, they're proud and they're arrogant, they know absolutely nothing. But they dote about uh, questions and strifes of words, uh, argue about those things that don't really mean anything. Uh, where, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now this sounds like the modern day protesters out on the streets making havoc and destroying property and causing chaos in society. Uh, the activists, the leftists, uh, <clears throat> perverts, uh, different persuasions that think they're somebody else or something else. Uh, this speaks of the professors in universities who propagate DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, these are the ones that are proud and they're teaching the next generation to follow, uh, to follow them. And so the proud are guilty of this corrupt and violent behavior. <clears throat> behavior. They actually cause it. Um, <clears throat> who else? The vulnerable youth are guilty of this as well. 2 Timothy 2, verses 22 and 23. Fle flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. If there's one thing the youth is vulnerable to, it's foolish and unlearned questions. Knowing that they do, in, uh, that they do gender strives. And so, uh, <clears throat> youth is good, asking questions is good. I encourage questions in class. Uh, that's a good thing. But when we get on to the foolish questions, the things that don't make sense, they don't, it doesn't matter, okay? We don't have to know those things. Then they are vulnerable to follow after this kind of foolish thinking. Who else are, are guilty? The rich. Micah chapter 6 and verse 12. For the rich men thereof are full of violence, the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Who else? The dishonest. And the dishonest here is different than the rich here, who are liars and deceivers. It's a different, uh, a different way of looking at it. So bear with me in Acts chapter 24 and verse 7. It says, but the chief captain Lysias came upon us. This is the this is the Judaizers, okay, speaking uh, to the governor, and it says, uh, "This chief captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away from out of our hands." Well, hang on, it was them who tried to uh, to take Paul and to kill him. So. Beware of those who accuse someone else of something because they're probably guilty of what they're accusing that person of. And we find that all the time. All you got to do is read the news and it's there every single day. 
And so this dishonest thinking is, uh, you know, they're, they're dishonest in their accusations even. <clears throat> uh, who else is guilty of this? Number six, the concealer. Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. That's not putting away your clothing, children, that are present. Okay. <laughs> putting away in Scripture means divorce. And here it says that God hateth divorce. That's not me saying it. That's God saying it. So if you want to argue over that whole thing, that whole issue, you take it up with God. He's the one that said it, not me. For one covereth violence with his garment. In other words, by, by this divorce, he's covering his bases. He's guilty in that marriage, and he's covering it up. Uh, saith the Lord of hosts, Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. God looks at divorce as treacherous behavior. Who else are guilty? Number seven, the gullible and ignorant. Amos 3.10, For they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. He says, they don't even know how to, how to do the right thing. Why? Because they're gullible in falling prey through their ignorance of those who practice violence. Who else? The hateful. Psalm 109, verse 3. They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Are there more? Oh, yes. I have two more, and we're not even scratching the surface. Number nine, the covetous, greedy, discontent. The covetous, greedy, discontent of this world are guilty of violence. Jeremiah 22, verse 17. But, the eyes, uh, but thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness and for to shed blood, uh, innocent blood, and for oppression and for violence to do it. In other words, that's all they're after. People that are discontent are after something more, right? They're not content with what they have, and so they want something more, and so they become greedy, and then that greed turns into covetousness, and that turns into violence oft times. Not all the time, but oft times it turns into violence. And so they're likewise guilty of this kind of behavior. And then number 10, the powerful. The powerful. What do we mean by that? Zephaniah. Chapter 3 and verse 3. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morning. Uh, <clears throat> till tomorrow, sorry. Uh, her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. That's pretty hard hitting. Those are powerful people, princes, judges, 
prophets, priests, those are leaders. And those leaders are guilty of violence. Ezekiel says it even more uh, powerfully, if I can use that word. More powerfully, the powerful are guilty of this. All right, Ezekiel 22, beginning in verse 25, says there's a, a conspiracy. A conspiracy? You sure that's not a theory? No, God says it's a conspiracy. Of, the, of her prophets, the prophets were the preachers of the day. They're the ones who were the spokesmen for God, supposed to be. Her prophets in the midst of, uh, thereof, like, roaring, uh, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Uh, I'm going to switch down to verse 28 because it likewise talks about the prophets. It says, and her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. We have a lot of that today, don't we? Televangelists and others going around saying, Thus saith the Lord, and God didn't say that. They're deceiving people. Going back then to verse 26, her priests, the priests, were responsible for carrying out the law. And so therefore they were the judges of the day. Uh, have viol uh, violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They've made a circus out of church. Um, they have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, my days of rest, and I have, uh, and I am profaned among them. Um, it breaks my heart that I went to college with some guys that I would never associate with today. Uh, one of them dressed up like a clown for the morning service in his church and preached dressed as a clown in the worship service. Okay, I better, I better not camp out there. That, it's disgusting. Verse 27, her princes, those are the politicians, the professors, the elite of society, in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Verse 21, 29 then says, The people, the people of the land, have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. At least in, in America today, you have people pillaging others. These are people. These are citizens. Sometimes they're not citizens. They're illegals. Uh, they shouldn't be there in the first place, but they're pillaging uh, places of business. They're, they're ripping people off. They're stealing from them. All of those activities are going on right now. So it's like, wow, you know, uh, this sounds a lot like the evening news. 
And it's because it is a lot like the evening news. Verse 30 says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. God says, I'm looking for someone to stand up and say, enough is enough. You cannot do that. To preach, thus saith the Lord. God's looking for someone to speak up. And he says, but I found none. I found none. What about us? Are, are we that put out with what goes on around us in society that we're going to speak up and say, you can't do those things. God is against that. Or are we going to cower and say, oh, well, that's just the way society is. It's that kind of a society that brings God's judgment that makes him say enough is enough. Will we warn the wicked of their wicked ways? Well, third point here, what is the source of this behavior? Well, ultimately we know that the source uh, is Satan. He stirs things up. But there is another way of looking at the source of these things because I don't want Satan to be used as a scapegoat. And oftentimes he is. There used to be a black comedian in America. Uh, his name was uh, Flip Wilson. And he used to have this skit and he said, The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do anything. The devil can't make you do anything. All he can do is tempt you to do something. It's within that's where it begins. And so Matthew 15 and verses 18 and 19 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth, the things that come out of our mouth, you ever say something and say, Oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> well, it didn't come out of thin air. Okay, we could add to that um, the, the places we go, the things that we do with our hands. They come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. It's what's within us that defiles us. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, uh, false witness, and blasphemies. All of those things come out of the heart, out of the human heart. You say, oh, I'd never do that. Never say never. I've, I've seen people who have said that, and then, you know, six months down the road, they're guilty of that. John 3, verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And so they seek to hide what's in the dark. Keep it in the dark. Don't let anybody, anybody know it. Uh, Romans 13 and verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or, and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Most of those things are done at night, done in the dark. What this verse is talking about is dishonest thinking. 
which leads to dishonest behavior. Philippians 2 and verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Someone who esteems someone better than themselves won't take advantage of them. And we see people taking advantage of others all the time. James 3 and verses 14 through 16. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Why? Because that would be vain glory. Glorying in your bitterness, glorying in your envy, glorying in your strife toward others. That's vain glory. So he says, don't do that. Lie not against the truth. And some people say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, there is. God's against that. This wisdom descendeth not from above. In other words, it's not from God. It's not godly behavior. But is earthly. That means worldly. Sensual. That's the opposite of spiritual. Devilish. That's satanic. In origin. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work that you can imagine in your mind comes from our envy, our strife within our heart. That's where it comes from. That's the source of such behavior. So what's the expected end of such behavior? This is point four. Zephaniah 1 and verse 9. In the same day also will I punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. God says, payday's coming. I will punish you. I will punish you. Yes, I'm long-suffering. You've got a, an opportunity to change, but I will punish you for those things. Psalm 7 and verse 16. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. Pate is his head, his skull. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 22. In verse 31, Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Sounds like he's hot under the collar, right? No, it's righteous indignation that he will exercise. Uh, their own way have I re recompensed upon their heads. Why? Because you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Ezekiel 12 and verse 19. And say unto the people of the land, Thus saith the Lord God of the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the land of Israel. They shall eat their bread with carefulness. Uh, this means with anxiety, with caution. And drink their water with astonishment. 
this has the astonishment has to do with not thinking clearly. Drinking things that aren't good for you, for instance. Things that the government says are okay and they're actually not. Uh, that their land may be desolate. So their bread and their water, their land is desolate. There's no crops around. Kind of sounds to me like a supply shortage. Like we're being told, there is a supply uh, shortage today. Okay? Which leads to poverty, right? From all that is therein because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. So why is that supply shortage? Because of the violence. Uh, Joel uh, 3 and verse 19. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Uh, we could add to that, I think, abortion. That's shedding innocent blood. And that's been, I don't know how many millions of unborn children have lost their lives through abortion. Were those that speak out against such evil? Obadiah chapter 1, verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. This is talking about Edom. Ezekiel 7 and verse 11. Violence is risen up into the, a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, nor of their multitude, nor of any of theirs. Neither shall there be wailing for them. When God finally strikes judgment against the violent, no one's going to care to cry about it. In fact, there's going to be rejoicing over that. Because justice will finally have been served. So how can the expected end be prevented is there a way out God always leaves a way out problem is most people don't want to take that way Psalm 140 in verse 11 let not an evil speaker be established in the earth evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him so what's the solution well it begins with ending protesters activists uh, leftists, perverts, and other promoters of such behavior. Don't give them a platform. Kind of sounds like shut down social media, but you take it for what you want. Okay, God says don't give them a voice to promote it. Ezekiel 7 and verse 23. Make a chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. In other words, lock them up instead of letting them go on bail. This, folks, is true justice. So, don't give them a voice. Lock them up when they offend. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8. Speaking about Nineveh. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God 
Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. And they did that. And God spared them for, I think it was 150 years before he finally brought judgment upon them. Why? Because they turned from their evil way. They repented. Ezekiel 45 and verse 9. Thus saith the Lord God, Let it suffice you, O princes of Israel, remove violence and spoil, and execute judgment and justice. Take away your exactions from my people, saith the Lord. What does that mean? Take away the exactions. Taxes. Take away the taxes. Not take taxes and more taxes and more taxes. Take those away. So what he's talking about is justice and remuneration. And in this verse, if you have not highlighted it or underlined it or both in your Bible, I suggest you do so. Because this in reality is the remedy. This is how this can be prevented. This, this expected end can be ended. And then once you do that, memorize this verse. And then meditate on this verse. And then bring it up again and again and again and again to yourself. So that it becomes alive in your life. And this verse is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name. We're not talking about the world here. We're talking about God's people. He says, if God's people will do four things, then he will do three things. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. It's really hard for a proud and arrogant person to do that. But to humble themselves and pray, that's communicate with God. And seek my face. Seeking his face is learning more about him and his ways. And fourthly, turn from their wicked ways. Repent of their waywardness, of their sin. If my people will do that, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, and only then, will I hear from heaven. God's got pretty big ears. He can hear everything globally all at the same time and not confuse it. But he doesn't listen to sinners who are unrepentant. He said, I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. He's a forgiving God. He doesn't want to punish, but he must punish because of his character and will heal their land our land Australia is in need of healing tonight where do we fit in this verse you know the world tries rehabilitation or reform this is a philosophy that says 
Oh, come on, give me another chance. I'll change, I promise. Uh, but God seeks, instead of rehabilitation, God seeks regeneration. Instead of reformation, God seeks transformation. There's a big difference in those. This is the philosophy that says, though I don't deserve it, I am right now changed by the power of God. I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 You see, psychology has this focus. Psychology says, well, you have to recall the past. Bring it up again. And, and then rehearse it in your mind for a while. Somehow that's supposed to take care of things. And then thirdly, repeat it again and again and again. That's why they have these sort of focus group kind of things. They sit together in a circle and they regurgitate all of their past, all the bad things that happened to them. And they get absolutely nowhere except to be infuriated uh, because they can't get away. They can't escape the past. So what's God's way? God's way, instead of recalling it, is resist it. Resist the past. We don't have to dwell in the past. We can move on. In fact, instead of rehearsing it over and over again in our minds, we're to renew our minds by God's Spirit. And instead of repeating it over and over again, and even in the company of others, we need to replace that thinking with godly thinking, with good thinking, with honorable thinking. So as we look at our present world condition, has God had enough? Is he at the point of judging this planet once again? He said he'll never do it with a flood again. The next time will be with fire. <clears throat> so, is our world ripe for God's judgment? Has he had enough? Well, I'm thankful that in spite of how we answer that question, that one day, specifically in the millennial kingdom, according to Isaiah 60 and verse 18, it reads, violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. Those of us who know the Lord have presently his salvation and we ought to be thanking him for that salvation and praising him for being so long suffering and not sending his judgment before we're all destroyed 
And so to answer the question, has God had enough, if he hasn't, he will soon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, this has been a hard message to preach. It sounds so negative, but Lord, it's not negative. Our world is negative. Our world is violent and corrupt. And you destroyed this planet because of such behavior. And you will destroy it again. And we have the answers of how to escape that judgment. Lord, help us to get this message out before it's eternally too late for the souls of men. Stir our hearts tonight, Lord. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.